Well, if you would take your Bible this evening and turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. <clears throat> and I know that everyone is really, really encouraged tonight. There is some good news. It's like the neighbor called me up the other day and he said, uh, told me who he was, said, uh, I have good news and bad news. What do you want first? I said, I guess the good news. <laughs> he said, well, Jesus loves you. I said, well, I did know that. <laughs> Yeah, I got another water line broke. Anyway, um, <laughs> Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4, where it says that pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. So tonight I'm going to Title this Daniel Testimony of Good Works. Testimony of Good Works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to meet together uh, freely and to open your word. Uh, we pray that we define encouragement and strength and uh, just uh, help us in our walk with you. May uh, we be helped and you glorified. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Daniel was a was a born in a um, a bad time, I guess you would say. You know, the liberals like us to think if you just change everybody's circumstances in life and their situations, that people would be good. That's you know why liberals think we can give Iran billions of dollars, thinking we're going to somehow buy their favor, that they'll be nice to us, you know, and all this kind of garbage. Um, no, the circumstances don't set who you are or don't determine who you are. Um, just like I often said, you know, where you went to college doesn't necessarily say where you stand on things as a Christian. So I don't really ask that question anymore. Uh, I start asking doctrinal questions, not where you went to school. Because, you know, you wouldn't want to know where I went to school either. But anyway... Uh, Daniel was one of those people born in an unusual time. He was, of course, carried away captive as a young man to Babylon, uh, to a foreign country, an ungodly nation, a, a nation with many idols, many gods. Uh, and, of course, put to the stringest tests immediately, uh, we find that in Daniel chapter 1, with the food that was required of him to eat. And, and the stuff to drink, the wine which they were to drink. But, of course, Daniel, he, he uh, purposed his heart. He would not defy himself with the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. So he requested, he asked for an alternative. 
And, and Daniel was such a person, uh, his conduct was such that he found favor with the man in charge of the king's, you know, food and all that. And this is, this was the case of Daniel throughout his lifetime. Now, Daniel served under Nebuchadnezzar, and then, and then we know, uh, we don't know exactly what happened to him. You know, there was Nebuchadnezzar, and then there was a, another king between Nebuchadnezzar and Belteshazzar, but that period of time is not really recorded for us. History tells us that. But he served under Nebuchadnezzar, and then he was brought to the king's court again under Belshazzar, although it didn't seem he served in government position during that time, but he was called upon to, of course, interpret that dream of the handwriting on the wall, uh, which he faithfully did. And then he was exalted again. And now he's serving under Darius, uh, a, 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 the Medo-Persian Empire, a different empire, and again, the amazing thing is, you know, usually when an empire change in this time period and even in the day, in modern times in third world countries, when there's an empire change, often those that ruled or participated in the administration of the previous one were executed. But Daniel, Daniel uh, remained throughout that and died of old age, uh, according to history. But anyway, but here we find them in this under serving under Darius and 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 he he is and this is this has been the pattern of his life that he has a testimony of good works and I want to notice three things here from this passage tonight. First of all, there's applied ability. Uh, in verse uh, three, it says, "Then was this Daniel preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm." That word preferred means to excel or to, sting, to, to distinguish oneself. Uh, he, he evidently, his, his conduct and his work was such that it set him apart from others. He was noticed. How is it? You know, I don't know what Dorse everything Dave Ramsey says, but he said if you, if you, if you work, You'll stand out like a cow in a field of chickens or something like that, you know. I mean, people will notice you. You will be distinguished. You'll be, you'll be, uh, you'll be noticed. And this was, this was Daniel. He, it says he was preferred. And, and it seems like, you know, in every administration that he served, he was preferred. He stood out in Nebuchadnezzar's reign, uh, above others. Uh, he distinguished himself. And, and Daniel, and, and what we believe here is that Daniel applied himself to the tasks that were given to him. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 5 through 9, Ephesians 6 verses 5 through 9, and you know, the Bible commands this in other places. Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, the Bible says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So, so he served. Daniel would have been a man who served his master, the kings, uh, you know, uh, uh, well. He didn't just give eye service. He wasn't one just to be just to be active when when he was being noticed. But he served faithfully. Uh, he he served as if he was serving God because he believed he was serving God. And which he was, 
doing the will of God from heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. So, so we see here the Bible commands us to do our work well, as unto the Lord, whatever we, our hands find to do, the Bible says, do it with thy might. Do it with thy might, Ecclesiastes 9.10 tells us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That means you do a good job and do your job right. Earn your hourly wage. Put in an hour's time for an hour's pay. You know, time cheating is big, big business and businesses. You know, clock out before time and clock in after, come in after they clocked in, you know, or, or, uh, stand around and, and shoot the breeze instead of working. Uh, that's a common thing. We, you know, the joke was when we were in Pennsylvania, you know, if, you know, there's a state worker, you know, leaning on a shovel at a long road, that's about all they do, you know. Uh, no, the Bible is plain that we are to work. We're to work. We're to do what we do for the glory of God, no matter how small or mundane the task may seem to be. Young people, learn to do your chores. Do them right. Parents, expect them to be done right. We are you use our talents and our abilities for the glory of God. Do them as unto the Lord. You know, the Bible speaks of this and gives many other examples of people like this. Joseph, in Genesis 39, 2, that says, The Lord was with Joseph. Of course, this was serving under Potiphar. And he was a prosperous man. In other words, that word prosperous means he was successful. No matter what Joseph did, he was successful at. He applied himself. He was prosperous and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So he's serving this Egyptian and he's prospered. He's a steward. You know, a steward is responsible for all the business. He's the business manager of the household. And so he could make business dealings. And if he was wise in those business dealings, whatever, whatever he made, you know, he could, he could, he could set the wages and, and, and the prices of commodities and things that he was selling. And whatever he made in business transactions over what the owner required was his. So, so Joseph was a prosperous man. Uh, he conducted his business wisely. Jeroboam, Jeroboam was, in, was uh, noticed by Solomon, 1 Kings eleven twenty eight says, And a man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor, and Solomon, seeing the young man, that he was industrious. He made him ruler over the charge of the house of Joseph. That's really about the only good thing we hear about Jeroboam. You know, he, he's the one that made Israel a sin later on. But, but during Solomon's reign, Solomon saw that he was an industrious man. He stood out. He noticed him. You know, Proverbs has much to say about diligence. Proverbs 10.4, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Maketh rich. Proverbs 12.24, The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Uh, Proverbs 21.5 says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty, only to want. 
And then Proverbs 22-29 says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Now, that word mean there means base or the lowest of society. But, but, a, but a diligent man in his business is going to stand before kings. He's going to prosper uh, in society. Of course, the word diligent means there's a constant in effort to accomplish something. He's attentive and persistent in what he does. So it, it speaks of, speaks of applying oneself to the job at hand. And so, uh, we need to be, we need to apply and use the abilities that God gave us for the glory of God. The second thing we notice here, it says in verse uh, 4, I think it's verse 4, and I should have kept my place there, in Daniel chapter 6, that, that there was found in him an excellent spirit. Then the presidents and princes... I'm sorry, verse 3. Then, then this Daniel was preferred above the president and princes because an excellent spirit was found, it was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So an excellent spirit. Uh, you know, this was a, this was a, 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 a spirit of meekness, uh, speaks of his disposition, uh, a good attitude, uh, not a cantankerous old man, you know, uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 4.13 I read this today it says better is a poor and wise child than an old foolish king who will no more be admonished no Daniel had an excellent spirit about him again you know he wasn't he wasn't bitter or angry over what had happened to him in his life and he could have been he could have been you know, he was in Babylon of no fault of his own. It was, it was, you know, he, he wasn't an ungodly man. He didn't bring the judgment of God upon himself, but he shared, he shared, you know, and the righteous suffer with the wicked. He, he shared in the sufferings of God's people because of their wickedness, even though he himself was not wicked. And yet, in, when, 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 when taken to these places, God honored his life. There was an excellent spirit. It speaks of a submissive spirit. Uh, we see his submission to God brought out in Daniel chapter 9 in verses 3 through 8 where he says, And I set my face on the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him, to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departed from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Notice he says, you know, he prayed, I prayed, and he says, we have sinned. And yet if you look at Daniel's life, he would say, I don't think he lived such a life that would have brought the judgment of God and, and, and sent them to Babylon. But the nation, the nation had sinned, and he was part of the nation. Your nation has sinned. We're part of it. And we're going to suffer with the rest of the, with the wicked. You know, we can, we can, 
we can respond in one or two ways. We can get angry, become cantankerous. What kind of witness would we have then? Or we could submit to the will of God for our nation. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I know what should happen. I know what I want to happen. You know, I agree with the protesters outside William Barr's home. Biden should go to jail. Uh, I know what, you know, I think I want to happen, but we don't know what's going to happen, but we have to let, we have to uh, 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 have a right attitude no matter what happens. You know, Daniel 1.8 says he requested. He didn't say, I have my rights. I want what I want. And you have no right to feed me this junk. <laughs> no, he requested. That word means he asked. See, he realized that they were the authorities. And they had rule over him. And so he asked. Yes. The word ask there means to express a desire. Or the word requested, I'm sorry, means to express a desire or to ask. Now, you know, Daniel had obviously had strong convictions. And we need to have strong convictions about things. We also need to have a right attitude. A right attitude. He had strong convictions and yet a submissive spirit. You know, uh, Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be also in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And the, 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 really the meaning there is, he submitted himself to the will of the Father, which meant he had to die. Though he had all authority, he submitted to the will of the Father. And so, we see a submissive spirit in Daniel. This is a part of an excellent spirit. Uh, we don't see, we, we see a, an, uh, uh, he was not easily offended and criticized. You know, and, and he doesn't, there's no record that you know, he tries to defend himself in Daniel chapter 6. You know, I'm not going to read all this rest of the chapter for sake of time, but, but they're trying to find fault with him. They're, they're doing a, doing an investigation to try and impeach him on false premises and, but they can't find anything, so they make something up. They know. They know his routines and his practices. And they know his convictions. And so they're going to make something up to trap him. But Daniel continues life as usual. You know, we're not to be offended when people find fault or anger. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And so, he has this excellent spirit. Excellent spirit. I want you to notice a third thing. 
he's found faithful. Verse 4, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. So they, they, they uncovered every stone, you know, trying to find some fault with his service to the king, but they could not. Could find an occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. So he was faithful. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he was faithful, uh, in conducting himself in, in, you know, there wasn't any fault of found in him at all. Uh, and this word is only used three times in the Old Testament, and it's used all three times in the book of Daniel. In fact, in chapter 2 and verse 45, this word is translated faithful here, is translated sure. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountains without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what should come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof, Sure. Steadfast. Unchanging. It's certain. It's going to happen. That's how, that's what described Daniel's life. You could count on him. And this is what faithful means. He could be counted on to do what was right. No matter what was thrown at him, he was going to do what's right. You even, you go to chapter 4, and Nebuchadnezzar has this tree dream. Now, remember who Nebuchadnezzar is. If he didn't like you, you know, it could be off with your head. And he has this tree dream, and they tell that the watcher says, from heaven says, cut down the tree, but leave a stump. And so he asked Daniel, can you interpret this dream? And Daniel was troubled. And the king says, don't be troubled. Show me the interpretation. And Daniel said, this is my paraphrase, I wish this dream was to someone else. Because king, you're the tree. God's going to cut you down. And you're going to live Till seven times pass over you, you're going to live like an insane man. Your hair is going to grow. Your fingernails are going to grow like eagle's claws. You're going to eat grass like an ox. He had to tell the king that. See, even Nebuchadnezzar could count on the fact that Daniel would tell him the truth. He was faithful. You know, he had a wonderful testimony. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, There's quiet and stewards that a man be found faithful. The other time this word is used is in chapter 6, verse 23, where it says, Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And so, Daniel had this faithful Testimony. Uh, this, of course, is 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 the uh, uh, you know he he portrayed and he and his this faithful testimony and telling you what it, what it did here. This testimony glorified God. 
You'll notice it says, they could find none occasion or fault except it be concerning his God. Verse 5, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You see, what he did, his life was, was determined by what was right in the sight of God. And the fruit of that is, the fruit of that is, Daniel portrayed a clear image of God to the king. Notice, if you will, in verse 26, 25 and 26, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations and languages, to dwell on all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Now, you think about it. The word there is used in that verse 26, steadfast. That's similar. Similar. A little different, but similar to faithful. See, Daniel was steadfast in his life, in honoring the Lord, and therefore he presented to the king, he demonstrated to the king by his life what God was like. By his good works, he showed what God was like to Darius. He portrayed a clear image. Notice notice what Darius says. Now, this is a heathen king. That he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom which shall not be destroyed. You would think this is a, a prophet writing about the God of heaven, the true God. You know, we don't have any certainty that this king was even a saved man. But he understood something about God because of Daniel. Because of Daniel. You know, this is, this is, this is the pattern of Daniel's life. If you, if you look at chapter 2 and verse uh, 4, chapter 2 verse 4, then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syria, O king, live forever, tell thy servants a dream, we will show the interpretation. Not sure that, I'm, I'm sorry, I want verse 47. Chapter 2 verse 47. Uh, then the king answered unto Daniel. So Daniel's interpreted his first dream of Nebuchadnezzar. So the king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is, that your God is a God of gods, and a Lord of lords, and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. See, Nebuchadnezzar learned something about God because of Daniel's faithfulness. Your God you know, that, it's interesting, he says, Lord of kings. He's Lord of lords. Paul told us, tells us in Timothy, Lord of kings. Also in chapter 3, verse 24 and 25, here it's the, the, the three friends of Daniel demonstrate to Nebuchadnezzar again the, the faithfulness of God. It says in verse 24, Then can Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? 
They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the fourth form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Yeah, it's because he is. And, and the fruit of their faithfulness and yielding their bodies is, in verses 28 and 29, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Now it's obvious that Nebuchadnezzar still doesn't have a completely clear understanding of who God is. But he's gaining knowledge. And he's getting his knowledge from Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because they yielded their bodies, it says. You know, Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. And the word present there has the idea of put it on exhibition. So put your your body is to be an exhibition of the glory of God. Of glory of God. Even when you're out in the world working and you work, you do your work, you do it right, you give an honest day's labor for an honest day's wage, that's a testimony to the world. Your lifestyle. The things you say and the things you don't say. Your attitudes. You know, again, Daniel had an excellent spirit. All this was his good works. You know, Matthew 5.16 says, let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And this is what Daniel's doing. His good works are showing Nebuchadnezzar and Darius who God is. Who God is. Begin in chapter 4. Daniel declares this judgment upon the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and results in, but it, but it results in the declaration that Nebuchadnezzar makes then in verses 34 through 37, where he says, at the end of the days I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes. So this is after he was insane, he was driven from his throne, he lost his throne. And you know, the amazing thing is it's restored to him. You'd think an enemy would have killed him. But it's restored to him, so his, 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 his sanity is restored. And he says, at the end of the days, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted up mine eyes unto heaven. Mine understanding returned unto me. I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever and ever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. You know, when a, when a heart turns to God, God gives it an understanding. When men won't glorify God, their heart is what? Darkened. Darkened. 
But no, it's returned to him. And he says his dominion is from everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth. This is the proud monarch of the world. The king of, king of kings among men. And he says the inhabitants of the earth are imputed as nothing in his sight. See, he says, he realizes now, you know what? Before God, I'm nothing. It's kind of the same thing Job said when the Lord finally spake to Job out of the whirlwind and asked him 85 questions. You know, where were you when I did this? And where were you when this happened? Where were you with this? You know, and just question after question after question. And Job, Job didn't have answers. And Job just finally concluded, I spoke things I understood not. Therefore, I repent in dust and ashes. And he says in verse 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways, judgment, and those that walk in pride. Nebuchadnezzar was the height of pride. He said he is able to abase. See, what, what, where did, where did Nebuchadnezzar get his understanding of God? That man from Judea that worked in his administration. And those three other men that worked in his administration. He saw their lives. He saw them yield their bodies. He heard their words. He heard the spoken truth from their mouths. And what they said came to pass. You see, our bodies, we are, we are to do good works. You know, the Bible emphasizes this over and over again. We are not saved by works, but our works ought to show forth the glory of God. You know, Titus 2.6, young men likewise exhort to be so reminded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. You know, it's, it's a real testimony for a young man to have a life of good works. That's not, that's not the majority of young men today. People notice it. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all wickedness and purify unto himself a people, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Titus 3.8, this, this is used a lot in the book of Titus. This is a faithful saying, these things I will thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. You see, again, when, 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 when our lives demonstrate the glory of God, it's a witness to who God is. You wonder why the world's messed up? Doesn't take us seriously? You wonder why churches are considered non-essential? This is from Revival Outside the Walls Ministry. I don't really know anything about it. But the 
It's a thing they put out called This Week's Shocking Stat. This was October 8, 2020. In a survey, recent survey of 2,500 congregations, more than half of the members said they did not believe their church was spiritually vital. So why should the world think we're essential? Or how about this? Atheists and agnostics scored 15% higher on their knowledge about religion than evangelical Christians taking the Pew's Religious Knowledge Survey. Or more than 50% of all evangelicals believe there is more than one way to heaven. Does that present a clear image of God? Or 75% of regular church attenders don't believe that sharing their faith is important. Um, 51% of U.S. churchgoers say they never heard of the term, quote, the Great Commission, unquote. And 46% of evangelicals agree that God accepts the worship of all religions. So, are, quote, Christians, unquote, in America giving a clear image of who God is? The answer is no. And we wonder why the world doesn't take churches seriously. See, Nebuchadnezzar learned to take Daniel seriously and Daniel's God seriously. When a man or men are willing to give their lives, it has a way of getting person's attention. When, when men and women are willing to sacrifice for a principle taught in the word of God, it catches people's attention. See, good works are important. A spirit-led life, which is what these good works are, is vitally important. You know, 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3, Paul said that you are, you are the word of God, written and known of all men. Daniel 11.32 says this, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. See, Daniel knew God. He had a right relationship with God. And Daniel did some mighty things. He did what we would say was extraordinary things. And you know what extraordinary is? It's just that extra you put in it. That's all it is. It's just the ordinary with a little extra put in it. You see, it all started when he says, I have purposed in my heart, I will not defile myself. 
it wasn't just an issue of meat and drink. It was an issue for every area of his life. He was man that was faithful. That his life demonstrated good works, which those around him noticed. And through Daniel's testimony, learned about our God. So, you know, we need, to, we need to have a right testimony. No matter what happens, we need to have a right testimony so that men can get a clear image of who our God 